Hello and welcome to the MDDDS podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kyle Fagala, and I'm excited that we are wrapping up our series on the gospel you missed in youth group. Tonight we'll be looking at the final question, is death the end? This seems a very apropos question today, especially since it's been such a heavy and tragic day. Uh, last night, in the middle of the night, there was a shooting at a music festival in Nashville. It's the biggest uh, event of its kind, uh, mass killing with about 59 dead at the time of this recording, over 500 wounded. Just an exceptionally evil and tragic event. I even had a friend who was there. So it's just been a difficult thing to process today. Uh, just maybe an hour before recording this, uh, found out that Tom Petty may or may not be dead. He's 66, and uh, so it's just a tough day. It's a day where a lot of us around the United States are facing this question of death and this issue of death. And whether you believe in God or you don't, death is still the one thing that we all have in common. And there's a few more. But it's one of those things that we all are heading towards whether we like it or we don't. And so I think it's important that we ask this question, is death the end? And I think the answer is, is that no, it's not. And that our response to Jesus is extremely important as it pertains our eternal destiny. So we'll talk about more of that as we get into the lesson now. So I gave the communion talk at church on Sunday. I got asked to do that and it was nice because I was prepared for it already, which was kind of cool. I'm usually like not prepared, so it was kind of a, a good reminder that, hey, this has been good to go through this stuff because I was like, I don't even have to prepare. It's great. Um, so I, I looked at like the first three questions of this series, uh, which I think make a lot of sense. And then I think I kind of sounded like a hellfire and brimstone preacher a little bit. Um, so I apologize for that. No, but I asked this question of who is God, who am I, and who is Jesus, and I mentioned this group and was just talking about, and we've talked about this in the past, uh, just that as medical dental students or as professionals or whatever, we get really good at certain things. We get really good at the jobs that we do, and if someone were to ask us, like, you know, Billy, stand up for 30 minutes and tell me about shingling a, a roof or something, you'd stand up and you could, you could talk 30 minutes about it, right? maybe even more. Be like, Billy, that's enough about shingles, you know? Um, yeah. And then the example I gave was, you know, ask someone that's a football fan, like, stand up, tell me about Alabama football for 30 minutes, and they could do it, and nobody would want to hear it, right? But they could do it. Um, or TV, or, or, you know, your favorite band, or your favorite restaurant, or like just Memphis, like people in Memphis, like, I will give you an hour on why I love Memphis, you know? Um, but if you ask someone to stand up and, and tell about Jesus, or about the gospel, um, most people would be like, oh, well, like three minutes into it, they'd be like, yeah, that's, that's about it, you know? Um, and the question that I asked was, you know, not even a question of could you do that? You know, could you talk 30 minutes about Jesus or the gospel, but would you want to, you know? Like, is it really good news to you? Um, I feel like if you won $1,000 on a radio station, like, giveaway, you'd, like, tell your whole, like, world about it. You'd post about it. Um, and what we've learned here is worth so much more than you know, a thousand bucks, and we're not excited to tell anyone about it a little bit. And I'm guilty of that too. So who is God? Who am I? Who is Jesus? I think those three questions kind of lead towards an answer of the gospel. And last week we talked about what is faith and just the basic idea that we get salvation not because of something we do, but because of faith. And not just faith in the sense that we like intellectually believe. It's not enough to say, well, I believe and it's all done. You know, there's more to it than that. There's trust there's also the obedience that comes from that. And then tonight, we're going to talk about this question, is death the end? And so as we're talking, you know, over the, by the island, just I feel like death is sort of on my mind today. And um, I talked about this in the intro when y'all weren't here, but everyone faces that. So one thing that we all have in common, it's like Benjamin Franklin said, you know, everyone has death and taxes, right? We have those, I just ruined that quote, but um, there's two things that are certain about life, death and taxes. Okay. Um, and so we all have to deal with it. We all have to face it. We all have to consider death. And the way that we all cope with death is different. As Christians, death really should be sort of an exciting thing in a way, but it's obviously a tragic and a sad thing too. Um, but I think with a tragedy like today, where we have all these people dying senselessly, just really sad. Um, and so we need to have addressed this question, and so that's why we're going to go into it tonight. 
So let's just jump into it. Um, so everyone, every person on the planet, including you, is a forever person. I don't know that that's the way that we think about ourselves. I don't think we think about ourselves in that way. I think that you know, when we talk about like Tom Petty, like, and I don't know if he's actually dead. That's the weird thing. I keep I got a text from my brother saying he may not be dead. So I don't know. Let's assume he is dead. And forever, when you look up Tom Petty on Wikipedia, it will be like, he died on October the 2nd, 2017, of cardiac arrest. And then it will explain his life. He was 66 years old. And his life ends there, you know, according to kind of the way we understand things. But the truth is, that's just a very small portion of his life. Um, now, where he ends up is up to him and the way that he's responded to Jesus. Um, and so we have to think of ourselves as something that, that goes on much longer than the way that we think of life. We think of a great life as being, I lived 80 years, I did some cool stuff, I had a family, had some grandkids, that's it. Uh, but there's a lot more to it than that. So our existence will not cease when our body takes its last breath, but will continue into eternity. And I've given this analogy before, but if you think of like the show Lost, there's six seasons, and if you're like in the season one mentality of things, and you talk to someone that understands what's happened in season six, you sound really stupid and really ignorant, and you're asking questions that are dumb, right? Just like we, compared to God and his understanding of things, how dumb we sound when we're praying, you know, and the things that I've prayed, like, God, please help me to get an A-plus on this test, you know, or something. Which is not to say those aren't important things, but God's like, what? You know, like, it's just not as significant as the things we should be thinking about and asking. Uh, and so if we have eternity in mind, uh, it, would, it would shift the way we think. So let's talk about eternity. So I will start Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. This little line, he has set eternity in the human heart. It reminds me uh, in Romans of where it says that basically that, that nature hints at the existence of God so that when we look out and you're in Colorado and you're fly fishing and I know it was raining but that little moment of time where the sun came out and you look at just all that's created there's something inside of you that says I would hope like well, how did this all get here like you know even it says before the time of Jesus like there was something inside of men that compelled them to believe that there was something bigger right so cultures for all you know history, have come to the conclusion of something greater or bigger or more powerful by looking at nature. The same is true of eternity. There's a sense that this is, can't be all that there is to life that, exi that exists in us. Uh, and that's what it's saying in Ecclesiastes. All right, so then Daniel 12, 2. We'll go this way, Jordan. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting content. All right, and then Matthew 25, 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 53. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Okay, so kind of like I said, that you know, the question, is death the end? The answer is no. It's the beginning, but it's either the beginning of one thing that's, that's really great or one thing that's really not. Um, and so you kind of think of like a fork in the road and there's one direction we'd want to go and so that's what that's saying all right so then moving into our eternal condition will be determined by our relationship to God Ecclesiastes 12 14 for God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing whether it is, whether it is good or evil um, so, you know, the things that we've done are going to be judged. They're going to be considered. Uh, we've already talked about the second question. Who am I? Who are we? We're sinners. We're separated from God by the things that we've done. And those things are all going to be, you know, made bare on the day of judgment. Uh, you know, another guy that died a few days ago was Hugh Hefner. And uh, I was kind of surprised to see how people interacted with that. Because I don't think that... And I don't know Hugh Hefner personally. I didn't know him personally. And I, I don't know exactly what's inside his mind. I'm not trying to judge that per se. But I think it's pretty clear that the fruit of his life would suggest that he did not believe in God and not follow God. I think that's fair to say. Um, but the number of people that were broken up by his death or that 
uh, talked about the good things he had done or even just the idea of rest and peace, I guess, for me, I just have a hard time understanding it that if you live a rebellious and sinful life, you should hope that that's the end of everything. You should hope that death is, in fact, the end. Um, because otherwise, it's just, I don't know what you have to go on there. Um, and so, anyway, kind of a bummer. But, uh, you know, every hidden thing that he's done, every public thing that he's done, he's going to be held accountable for that. Uh, Romans 2, uh, verses 5 through 11. God does not show favoritism. So like we said, he's a judge, and as a good judge, he's going to assess things fairly. So it's either you're guilty or you're not. Um, and so if you've had a life that produces bad fruit, you're going to be judged on that. Um, all right, so we are justified, or we're made right, in our relationship to God through faith in Jesus. So even though in that verse it talks about you know those who are doing good and who are pers- persistent in being honorable and all that sort of thing, that they're going to get eternal life. It's not because of those things. That's just a product of, you know, their faith that's given them the Spirit that's produced these things um, as they've continued to have faith. It's not because of those things. And so Romans 3.25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Okay, and so we've, we've read that from Romans 3 several times throughout this really key verse. All right, so then moving on to the second section. Our eternal destiny is dependent on our response to Jesus and His gospel. All right, so quite a few verses here. Anna, John three thirty six. All right, and we talked about Jesus on the cross. I think this is in our third section. This idea of the wrath of God being in like a big cup, I guess, and that it, it the cup is for us, you know, and, and it would wash over us, kind of like the flood washed over the world. Um, but that Jesus took that cup and, and drank up, you know, every last drop of that wrath for us. Right? I like that visual. I like that visual too, as we take the Lord's Supper, just kind of that kind of mindset of. Sort of like a little cup of wrath in a sense. A little different, but... Alright, so Acts 17, 30-31, that's me. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. For He has set a day when He will judge the world with justice by the man He has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising Him from the dead. Alright, so then on into Romans five twenty one. And then, this is my favorite two verses in the Bible, uh, Romans 8, 38-39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hmm. Okay, so after death, there is either eternal life or there is eternal wrath. All right, so eternal life, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like this idea of the wages, and the idea of, kind of like reminds me of that parable of like the workers in the field, and at the end of the day, um, that the guys that worked early in the morning were upset that the guys who had just gotten there like 15 minutes beforehand got the same reward. That reward is salvation. That's, that's what he's getting at. Um, and that's the same that's true of us. A guy on his deathbed 
could you know repent and and be saved right the criminal on the cross you know he could believe in that moment and you know could be chosen that he'd be saved uh, we have to be okay with that right uh, we're just as undeserving of salvation as, as the next person but I like this idea of the, like the wages like if you work really hard you deserve to be paid if you don't well you don't you know um, or like that parable of you know the guys that were given the talents and the one like just dug a hole and put it in there and he's like look I've got my talent it's like it's not what I was wanting you to do right um, so I think it's kind of a nice way of thinking of that all right so Romans 6:23 we did and then we're moving into so that was eternal life and then there's also eternal wrath is an option so Revelation 14:11. Uh, And I warn you, you know, you get into Revelation and there's a good chance it's not going to be positive stuff. So there's a good chance it'll be kind of depressing. Um, and Chelsea, I'm so sorry, you're getting like the real long stuff. You got it. You got it. All right, so we're going to do uh, a big section here. This is uh, Revelation 20, 10 through 15. Okay. Uh, and then every single person will be thrust into one of these two options. So we've got a few more, and then we'll kind of talk about what all this means. But uh, Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then Mark 9, 43 through 47. And then the last one of this little section, Hebrews 9, 27 through 28. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Okay, so a lot to take in there. I guess like the quick little discussion I would have is that it probably not just today, but I think because this is the time I understand, it seems really popular to um, not want to believe that hell is real or that that's like, a, that it's a reality. Uh, we were, this is not going to be a lesson on hell or if it's real or if it's not or how, you know, literal these descriptions are. Are they symbolic? We'll talk about that here in a second. But if you take the Bible, you look at the Old Testament, you look at the New Testament, you look at Revelation, it's consistent in its descriptions. Uh, some are a little bit more extreme. You get in Revelation, it's a little bit more extreme, let's say. But the idea that there's eternal punishment that you go to if you're a sinner is pretty consistent. And so it, it's one of those things that I feel like it, it's what we call like an eisegetical way of reading the Bible, that we come to the Bible with a bias. And our bias is, is that as humans, we don't like the idea that someone will be punished forever. To us, it seems unfair. I mean, I don't... I don't think anyone in here, even for the worst person, even for Hugh Hefner, let's say, I don't want the guy to, to burn and sulfur and agony for his whole life, and not just his whole life, but for eternity. It seems unfair to me. It just does. Um, but I'm also not God, and also didn't make the rules. I'm also sort of like the season one guy of a TV show I don't quite understand. I don't have the, the ability, like the fourth dimensional understanding, if you will, of kind of why this is the way it is. 
And so all I can do is, is, is be compelled to, to read and to, to respond to that faithfully. So eisegetical would be, I take a bias. My bias is, well, I'm a human, and I think that seems a little bit harsh, God. You know, that seems, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. Uh, versus exegetical, which would be, I read it, and then I make a decision based on what it says. If you do that, then I think you're hard-pressed to come to the conclusion that there is no hell. Uh, if that's the case, and we all kind of show up, and it's like, I just said the hell thing to kind of like scare y'all, and like, actually, everyone's coming in. Like, yay, you know. That's exciting. We've all been in a situation like that where we didn't deserve something, we got it anyway. Um, and there's some verses that allude to this kind of idea that, you know, maybe there will be another chance for people. You know, that's a real popular thing of, you know, Jesus will go and preach during this time to people who are dead. Like that in between his resurrection and crucifixion or vice versa, that he went and preached. Um, I don't know. And so I think that's been a question that we've all had to struggle for thousands of years with. Is this, well, how is this fair? And what about people that never hear the name of Jesus? And all I can come away with is I don't make the rules, but I know what the Bible says consistently. Uh, so it should compel us to want to tell everyone what we can about this so that they don't get trapped in that circumstance. Um, we can come back. I think we'll come back to that, I'm sure. Um, so here are some blanks for you. If we choose to live without Christ now, we will die without Christ forever. So if we choose to live without Christ now, we will die without Christ forever. Did I read the last verse? Okay, that was the Hebrews one. All right, so Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. All right, and then Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. And give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. <coughs> okay, so that's not something I want. <laughs> Uh, and then we'll just read these little sections. It may be true that many of the descriptions of hell in Scripture are symbolic. There's no doubt, however, that these texts are, uh, what they're symbolizing is an undesirable existence. So I do think that actually we have some point where we talk about, you know, hell and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a big topic. But I think the danger is, is in, in today's culture, sort of a universalist sort of love wins kind of culture to just discount hell or to hope it's not real or to, to live as if it's not. But I, I just don't think that's uh, smart. I don't think it's like fair to the scripture, let's say. All right, so the risk, that's kind of what we're talking about, is that we can know the truths of the gospel and still not be saved. We can also know the truths of the gospel and not tell anyone about it, right? Um, but faith is more than just knowing facts. So Matthew seven twenty one. All right, and then James 2, uh, 14 through 19. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, and such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. Yeah. So I think that kind of punches back at this, you know, you got churches that go too far on the side of that it's your deeds that save you, but you have churches that go so far on the side of, if you'll just pray this prayer, it'll all be good. So I don't, I don't think that the Bible really supports either. Um, and so I think it... It's not just a one-time belief, and it's also not a thing that we sort of build our salvation um, with effort. And that's this blank. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. So nothing and earn. The gospel is the truth that salvation is a gracious gift of God through Jesus Christ. All right, and then the question of have you responded biblically to the gospel? I think everyone here has. Maybe the random person in Indonesia listening to this is not, and this is your chance. Um, and I think what we're going to do next week, actually, is, I don't think, this is what we're doing. 
we're going to do what's called an outreach group. We did this series maybe five years ago. We're first starting reach groups, little small study groups for our bridge builders class. And this will either be a real success or it won't, but we're going to try it. We're going to do dinner and then we're going to go over all five of these in one fell swoop, not the full thing, right? So we'll, we'll edit it down, um, but it'll end up being about a 30 minute sort of presentation of the gospel. So if there's anyone that you know that's sort of either all the way from not, not being a believer at all to like, I don't know what I think anymore. I think it'd be a really good opportunity. And if no one shows up because you can't find anyone to go, well, we'll eat and we'll go over it again. So it'll be good. It'll be like a review for the test. Okay. <laughs> Just like a little test review. Um, all right. So then moving on to two. If we choose to die to Christ now, we will live with Christ forever. All right, so that mirrors up above. It's if we choose to live without Christ now, we will die without Christ forever. This one is, if we choose to die to Christ now, we will live with Christ forever. That sounds better. All right, so John three fifteen through 17. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I think that's also a really important thing to kind of keep in mind is, is that we, we, we kind of look at God and we ask this question of how could God, you know, send us to hell? And it's, well, how could God let rebels into heaven? You know, there's a quote, I think, from the first lesson that we did, which I should probably go back and read because it's really good. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to read it. This is from David Platt. Uh, our culture asks this, God, how can you punish sinners? God, how can you let people go to hell? We point the finger at his character, question how he could do that. The Bible does just the opposite. It's because the Bible has a God-centered worldview and we have a man-centered worldview. The Bible is not asking how God can punish sinners. The Bible is asking how in the world God can let rebels into heaven. How can God maintain his glory and let those who belittled his glory into heaven? This is the tension with which the gospel confronts us. How can God show all his attributes, his holiness and his mercy, his wrath and his love, his justice and his grace? How can he show all those things? And the answer is, the just and gracious God of the universe looked upon hopelessly sinful people and sent his son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to bear his wrath against sin on the cross and to show his power over sin in the resurrection. Jesus is the only way this tension is revealed. Uh, there is no other religious system, no other religious philosophy that can bring this tension together, that can relieve this tension. Only Jesus Christ can do this. Um, so, I don't know if you remember that quote. It's one of my favorite ones when we come to these sort of questions. I think we're asking the wrong question because we're focused on ourselves, you know. All right, so John five twenty four. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him, who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged by, but has crossed over from death to life. All right, and then Galatians two twenty through twenty one. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained by the law, Christ died for nothing. It's hard to read that and not sing the song, you know? <laughs> um, so, if we choose to die to Christ now, we will live with Christ forever. We are united with Christ's death and resurrection, making our old, enslaved, sinful self dead, and our new self alive and free in Christ. So, alive and free. Romans 6, 5 through 11. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so, the, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this has like the lyrics from my favorite song probably right now, which is just a little bit old now, but um, No Longer Slaves by Bethel Music. Like I love that song. Does anyone know that song? Yeah. No. I'll post it in the group for you guys to hear. Uh, pretty much everything Bethel Music does I really like, um, and that song especially, lyrics are awesome. We tried to do that at our last concert, and we didn't do it, do it justice, so we're going to give it another try, I think. But 
Sometimes you mess up songs, you know? What are you going to do? Um, all right, so moving on, and we're almost there. I know it's been a lot of scripture. I know that when you read a ton, it seems like kind of overwhelming. It's literally two pages of like eight-point font scripture. But I also feel like it's like kind of opening that these statements are very clear, and we're just not probably used to reading them. Maybe some of you all do, but I don't. I read this stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, it's pretty, pretty clear. Um, all right, so Jesus has destroyed death and brought life and immortality through the gospel. 2 Timothy 1, 9 through 10. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearance of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought light and immortality to the light, to light through the gospel. Hmm. All right, so then through Christ we have a gracious and eternal inheritance. 1 Peter 1, 3-4. And so I don't know about you, but like, as I read through that, my greater sense is that it's a lot of bad news, right? But especially those last few verses are saying it's like great news, that we have this inheritance that's waiting for us, that it's this gift that we didn't deserve that, that's due us. And so again, like the only thing I can come away, if that's the way that I feel when I read those things, um, is that yeah, I'm empathetic and that's, that's cool. Um, but I've heard it said recently that like empathy is like the greatest possible characteristic, and I I don't know that I th- think that's true or untrue. I, I just I think it sort of misses the point. I think it hinges too much on this idea that everyone deserves something, um, when in fact I don't think we deserve anything really. And so I think it's this idea that we have this man-focused worldview that we feel like that the good things that we do, and we all think that we're good. I think even the greatest sinner among us that is completely faithless, that has no desire to, you know, reflect God in any way, would say to themselves, I'm a pretty good guy. And there's some people who would say, well, I'm evil to the core, and that's what I want. Okay, but most people would say, yeah, I think, I think ultimately I'm pretty good. Uh, one example I always give is there was this show probably 10 years ago when reality TV was like a big deal, and it was called, I think The Lie Detector was maybe the name of the show. It wasn't around as well as ones they did like during Sweeps Week, where it was like, this is this game show, and they set it up really big, and it was this attractive, maybe 30-year-old girl, and her boyfriend was in the crowd. They went through all these questions, and they started simple, you know, so they'd asked her in advance, on a lie detector, what's your name? Brenda. Ding, ding, ding. You know, so she was telling the truth, right? And then they'd ask her, where did you grow up? Detroit, Michigan. Ding, ding, ding. You know, so with each question, you get more money. And then it got into more difficult questions. Have you ever cheated on your boyfriend? Yes. And he's like, ding, ding, ding. And it's like true. He's like, like oh, you know, he's like, or he's like, I didn't know that, you know. You never know how much of this stuff is true. But anyway, so then it kind of get even worse. Like, have you ever cheated with multiple people or something? It's like, yes, you know. And so then the guy's just like, what am I doing here, you know. Um, but she's like making money. So she's like kind of excited. So then it came to this question of, and this was kind of like the big, you know, cliffhanger question. Do you think that you're a good person? And she said, Yes, and she was lying, <laughs> uh, which was just so great because um, she was lying, you know. So she wanted to think that she was good, but she was she was lying to herself, I guess. And so I I think that because we think we're good people, we think we deserve something. And as we read this, we're like, well, that's not fair. Um, but to God, this is good news. He's like, you don't deserve any of this, and yet I'm giving it to you. Like I've set this into motion. I had my son killed so that you could have this, and you're sitting there complaining about it, you know? I gave Charlie a gift the other day. I brought him this cool, like, three-dimensional puzzle of the, the Statue of Liberty, and he, like, cried about it. It's like, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, you don't want this? It's like, it's just a puzzle I have to put together. I was like, what did you want, you know? And so I feel like God kind of looks at us like, what did, what did you want me to do? You don't deserve this. Like, I didn't, and I even told you, I was like, I didn't have to get you anything. Like, I got you this. Like, and then you're going to reject it, you know? So anyway, all right, well, let's move on to the, the last little part. Only one Bible verse left, and then this, this last little part will go pretty quickly. But the urgency of eternity. 
So if we understand that we're a forever person, that there is an eternity, that should produce in us an urgency. Kind of like, oh, I've got a test tomorrow. I should probably study for that starting now, right? So with eternity at stake, we do not have time to waste our lives on the superficial topics and ideas that dominate our culture. We have a gospel to share, and eternity is hanging in the balance. Uh, we need to know and understand the gospel well enough to explain it to others. This is what I alluded to the very first thing tonight when we started was, if we can't stand up and defend this, if we can't stand up and explain this, then do we really even care about it? Is it good news if it doesn't compel us to want to share it with others? So 1 Peter 3.15, is it Will? Yeah. Bring it home, Will. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying that you get a sandwich board and you go stand out on Bill Street and yell at people, right? Um, so, but, I mean, we should sincerely seek relationship with people, and that should be a big part of what defines us. You know, so what do you do for a living? Well, I'm, you know, a radiology resident, and I really like climbing and fishing or whatever, hiking, maybe not climbing, but um, blah, 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 blah. If the 78th thing down the line that we get to is, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, it's just not where we should be. So we should seek to change that. All right, so here's some blanks for you guys. Consider how you can use your talents, blessings, and influence to make this gospel known within your sphere of influence and across the planet. So talents, blessings, and influence. And this is why we started this group. This is what this group is about. It's because every year there are new people who come to Memphis some of them don't want to be here. Some of them are only here for four years. Some of them wait, can't wait to get back, maybe, to East Tennessee or somewhere else, okay? Not, not you know. Um, and these are a lot of talented and, and really gifted people and, and people that are going to be very influential. I mean, if you're a dentist, you're a doctor, you're super influential. People will be looking to you for answers. And a lot of those are just answers to things that really don't matter, ultimately. Um, even a heart issue, like ultimately it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a first season concern, all right? Um, so we want you to use those for, for good, for greater good. Uh, so MDDDS, is, it's a great opportunity to invite unchurched medical and dental uh, school friends. Uh, hopefully they see what meaningful Christian friendships are like and hear the gospel. So we'll do that next week. All right, and then let's end with three questions about the urgency of eternity. And these are just like rhetorical questions a little bit. Do we realize people's condition And I mean, this is pretty stark, but we have friends and family who currently face a Christless eternity. And uh, especially with a day like today with like really tragic events and a lot of people dying. I mean, it just it, it hits me in the head with this. Like there are people who are out at a concert, have flown to Las Vegas and may have never heard the gospel. And that could be it for them. And it's it's terrible. Uh, second, do we possess the heart of Christ? So do we love people like Christ does? And if we do, how should this change how we spend our time, money, and other resources? And I don't want this to just feel like a huge guilt trip. I say at some point I'm like, okay, buddy, like I get it. I'm terrible. Um, but I think we're also mature enough to kind of hear this, and you know, it's not the first time you've heard it. But and then lastly, do we want our lives to count? So this is uh, David Platt here, but this is a cause worth living for. It is a cause worth dying for. It is a cause worth moving urgently on. We have the gospel of Christ in us, and we do not have time to waste. Okay, so, and this sort of somewhat rhetorical question of, what does a gospel-centered, outward-focused community look like? Um, and I, I want a group like this to look like that. I really do. Like, I want this to look like you know, somewhere that's outward focused. Um, and I want this to be a place where people feel like they can come in and they can learn these things. And I know that's awkward. If, if I were not a believer, I don't know if this is the first place I want to go. I think I'd rather come here than go to church, I think. Um, so if you know those kind of people, you know, kind of be emboldened to invite them and ask them. I don't know. Just tell them you'll buy them an Uber if they get here and they don't like it, you know. You can have dinner and then you can just leave if you, if you, if you hate it. Um, so we are going to try that. We're going to do an outreach group next uh, Monday, 6 o'clock. We'll do dinner, and then we'll kind of jump through things.
Um, I don't want this to stifle things, but I, I've, I've felt like the last five weeks the discussion has been the best part. So I'm going to leave this going for the discussion and see how it goes. If that means no one talks, fine. It's only Chelsea listening to it and, and, the, and, and the guy in Indonesia. And so. she's here this week. And she's here. So no, actually, no one will listen to this. It's like a tree falling in the woods when no one's around. Um, but I, I want to see kind of what your response to this is. I know it's a lot. All right. I know we've now done five weeks in a row where it's this really like austere style of Bible study. It won't always be this. Okay, we'll get into more of a conversational type of study. But it's also kind of like uh, it's a little bit like math in a way. It's like these are the rules. Now that you know these rules, like apply those rules in your life, right? But what what about all this kind of stands out to you guys? Yeah, we sort of tend to adopt the mindset that we're most surrounded with. And the mindset that we're most surrounded with is kind of the live, drink, and be merry mindset. But we're in a culture in the South where the Bible is sort of like inserted into there and Christianity is kind of injected into here. And so it's this weird like uh, what we call like syncretism, but like an amalgam of, I'll use a dental word. It's <laughs> it's an amalgam of culture mostly. It's like five parts culture and like one part Christianity. So Christianity just kind of kind of gets you know watered down a little bit. Yeah. So what we end up with is this sort of like humanistic universalistic sludge, um, and I'm so guilty of it. I just totally am. There's no doubt. And it's sort of like the first date mentality. It's like you go on a first date and you want to look your best and act your best and only talk about the things that are good about you, and it's, you know, it's just not who we really are. So God does, you know, if we're on a first date with God, God sees, what well, you do this, and you're a terrible person here, like, that's just the truth. So we, if we can't be honest with God, we can't be honest with ourselves. And I honestly think the crazy thing is, like, I feel like even in our churches, like, if someone's giving a sermon, or someone's, like, teaching a class, like, they kind of come across a little bit like that, like, that this is, like, a first date, and it's, like, little robotic and the truth is I think it's far more compelling to be different than what the culture would say to say like I'm a bad person like this is what I'm about to be confessional and I think that would draw out of people more of a desire for good news because it is different and it always has been all right so that w- that's probably the thing that stands out to me the most so Jordan you get you get extra marks tonight you get extra gluten-free dessert okay but only because no one else is going to want to eat it. Yeah. Um, maybe a couple more things. Like what else sort of, what's sticking with you right now? Um, but more so being hospitable to people who 
have as much in common with or maybe I just that challenge of like always looking for who's the person that like maybe God could use me to influence that you know that's not just like me um, and so and I think that's challenging to me just to try and figure out what that looks like and um, how to be more outwardly focused and have an outwardly focused ministry like in our home and in our class at church and in our field and profession and all of that. Mm. Yeah, I think there's this terrible thing where like we we we're fine like sharing the gospel or ministering sort of like if it's like with people that we enjoy, <laughs> people that we like. So it's like I which to some degree you could probably lob that complaint on this group. It's just like I know I'm going to have something in common with dental medical students. And that's not what we're doing it. But, like, it's true. I mean, we all share a lot of values. And, you know, y'all are all smart people and stuff. But when you look at Jesus and who he chose for his disciples, he's not picking the cool kids' table. You know, these are honestly a bunch of losers, a lot of outcasts. Um, you know, a bunch of fishermen, meaning that they weren't good enough to make it into rabbinical school. I mean, they were not the best of the best. Um, and in a lot of ways, you've got a zealot in there, you've got a tax collector, you've got, you got some, you know, I don't want to say loot, <laughs> you've got some not best of guys, right? It's not like who we'd expect. Like, God comes to earth and he chooses to spend his time with average people, right? Um, and sometimes those are the people that, you know, you talk about the different soils and like what soil is like ready to hear and to believe and to sprout into something. Sometimes it's people that you wouldn't necessarily like naturally want to hang out with, right? Um, so we also have to be able to get uncomfortable in that way, and that's super hard. Um, we also have to get intentional. So like with medical school, like you're super intentional about the classes you have to take in college and the tests you have to take, and when you apply, like the things you do in the essay, and it's this length and it's MLA standard or whatever, and you're very, very intentional, and you plan those dates out and you know them. And then we get to sharing the gospel, and it's sort of like, well, if it happens, it happens, you know? It's not how we are with anything else in life. Like, if we like a band, well, we're going to get tickets, and at 10 a.m. on Thursday, they're going to go on sale, and I'm going to get them, and it's going to be in my calendar, and every week, I'm going to have one of those little countdowns to when the concert is on my phone, you know. Uh, we're just, like, not like that about the gospel, or even just asking someone over for dinner. Like, we should probably, like, sit down and every month say, well, you know what, two Sundays a month. It doesn't have to be, like, all the time. Like, I'm going to eat with someone I don't know, or I'm going to do this with someone I don't know. Or I'm going to go volunteer at this place. And maybe you guys are all doing that, but, you know, we should apply the things that we use to studying. Like, every Thursday night, I'm, I'm studying two hours. Well, you know what? Every Saturday morning, we could be trying to go somewhere and share the gospel, you know? One more thing. I think the first thing that popped in my head was uh, that quote by C.S. Lewis, I think. Um, Christianity's either the single most important thing or it's nothing at all. Mm. And, uh, you know, just the fact that there's there's no in-between, but so often I'm just a lukewarm Christian. Like, everything I'm doing doesn't flow out of being uh, bought with the blood of Christ and uh, being saved um, through Him, uh, where 
that's how it should be and um, like the gospel needs to transform my own life uh, and I think when I recognize what it's doing in my own life uh, and come to terms with that that makes it easier and more imperative to share with others um, so that was kind of the first thing that jumped in my head sure mm-hmm. yeah I wish I could just like spout that quote off Yeah. something about either Christianity is of a, a t- utmost significance or it's of no significance at all. Some right. yeah. he would always say things much more intelligently and then take his pipe and then say something else smart so I'm actually having a guy he makes busts he's an orthodontist and he's super talented I have no idea how he, he's just good at this thing he's done all these busts of like Gandhi and Einstein and some other people and he was asking he's like any other bust I should do and I was like I would love a C.S. Lewis bust to go in my library and so um, he said he'd work on it he said it will take me a year <laughs> so he's going to cast a bust so maybe in a year's time I'll have like C.S. Lewis just sitting over there just hanging out so um all right well let's kind of cap it there that was great stuff so thank you guys so i know this week was a little bit longer than the last few that we've done it's right at about 51 minutes right now probably by the end of my rambling here it'll be closer to an hour um but there was just so much to say and there were there's so many great verses there and uh you know if you've been able to stick through all five of these lessons on the gospel I really sincerely feel like you've you've learned a lot. I know that I have. I know that I'm in a spot where if someone were to ask me, kind of like that verse in, in 1 Peter where you know, we should be ready to give an account for the things that we believe, I feel like I'm there right now. And so it's, it's a good reminder that if we're not reading these things regularly, if we're not surrounding ourselves with these truths, then we're not in a position to tell people about it, you know? And so the amount that we would watch college football and keep up with recruiting during offseason and all that, it means that at any point we could tell you everything you need to know about the Arkansas Razorbacks or the Tennessee Volunteers. We should be able to do that with the gospel. And so again, this was the gospel you missed in youth group. And we asked five questions. The, the title of the first lesson, Who is God? The take-home point, God's essential character is both holy and loving. The second question, Who am I? We are sinners separated from a holy God. Third question, who is Jesus? God's love sent Jesus to the cross, satisfying the wrath of God. As forgiven sinners, we can now be in the presence of a holy God. The fourth question, what is faith? We receive God's salvation through faith in Jesus and through faith alone. And then tonight's question, is death the end? Our eternal destiny is dependent on a response to Jesus. Next week, we'll be together Monday night at 6 p.m. this time, a little bit earlier because we're going to have dinner. And the idea is that you will invite your friends, unchurched or maybe de-churched or maybe really churched. I don't know, but we're going to summarize the gospel, these five questions, in about 30 minutes. We're going to hit the high points and bring it home. And I think it'll be a great opportunity to invite some people in. So please do that. If you've been listening kind of uh, in the shadows and have not come, Please come. I know it's in Germantown. I know it's a little bit further away from where you may live, but I promise you it will be worth your time and worth your trip. So that is it for tonight. I hope you're having a good week, and I hope it gets even better, and we will see you next time.